Super Talk Mississippi media production. Running a business is tough. If you're struggling with HR benefits and payroll, you're not alone. Many businesses just don't have the resources to keep up. That's where MWG Employer Services comes in. We provide a full range of employer services with everything from payroll to benefits to HR services and compliance and can create a custom plan that fits your needs and budget. We're a Mississippi-based company that can help you focus on what you do best, growing your business. Call MWG Employer Services today at 601-206-7966 or go to MWG Employer Services You're listening to Sports Talk Mississippi On Demand, presented by Pearl River Resort. Escape to Choctaw, Mississippi and enjoy world-class gaming, the Dancing Rabbit Golf Club, and Geyser Falls Water Park. Escape to Pearl River Resort. To the junction, in the grove, and to the top. This, this is Sports Talk Mississippi. On your radio and in the game. Right here on Super Talk Mississippi. Good Monday afternoon. Sports Talk Mississippi. Well, that was a weekend. We are coming to you from the Pearl River Resort Studios. Pearl River Resort is the home of the Dancing Rabbit Golf Club, which is uh, always a place that you can have a good weekend when the weather cooperates. You can book a tee time or plan your trip at DancingRabbitGolf.com. It's possible that if you are a fan of uh, at least one of a couple of baseball teams in the state of Mississippi, you'll have... Weekends open sooner than is normal, and so maybe Dancing Rabbit Golf is the place that you go to put a smile on your face. DancingRabbitGolf.com to book your tea time. Early summer. Here's your plans. I'm actually working on this right now with a handful of uh, of buddies to, to do this in the early summer. You drive in to Pearl River Resort on a Friday night. You gamble. You go to the sports book. You eat. You play two rounds on Saturday. You gamble, you sports book, you eat, and then you drive home on Sunday. Or you could play one more round on Sunday morning and then go could, grab some lunch and hit the road after that. Feels like we're we're just gonna do two. We'll we'll do a morning tea time, get some lunch, probably gamble, do an afternoon tea time, <laughs> and then, you know, dinner and gamble and Sounds like an exceptional weekend. Yeah. You can do that as well through uh, Dancing Rabbit Golf. We uh, would love to hear from you. C Spire text line is open, 601-879-4395. Give your business the edge with gigabit fiber internet from C Spire Business. It is backed by world-class IT professionals who live where you do. That's right here in C Spire country. Check them out online at cspire.com slash business. Brian Haydad is back from a uh, long weekend He was off Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday. I believe spent some time on the Mississippi Gulf Coast. How was the uh, How was the weekend with the buddies? Well, first and foremost, admit it. You expected me to lead with a "I can't talk" kind of joke, right? I thought you were going to me to just come out come out of the gate firing. I thought you were going to talk like this. Hey guys, a lot of fun on on the. No, no, I I I show up. I'm here. It was great. I had a fantastic time. I ate some great food. Uh, enjoyed myself. Couldn't have asked for anything more. What was the best meal? Mary Mahoney's. That's kind of always you, the answer, you, isn't it? <laughs> you can't. You can't. You can't miss with the classics. I mean, just, what, what just, did you eat at Mary Mahoney's? Uh, 
we got a bunch of crab claws, and then I got the uh, the fish of the day, which was black and red fish topped with lump crab. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's good. It's good. Is there a dessert? No, no dessert. You know, I, you know, I did really. W- I would have done really well on the diet this weekend if alcohol didn't have calories. Oh. <laughs> hey, but it does. Hey, you, you got to drink like a trident, man. Just uh, like like vodka oh, with, le- with lemon juice squeezed in yeah. it. You know. There's a lot, a lot of clear liquor happening, but it still has calories in it. So, huh, ceasefire text line, Richard. How was Morgan Wallen? <laughs> um, please tell me that you purchased him through, like a, like not Craigslist or something though. No, I did not buy so, my tickets through Craigslist. So at least that I, money I is through, returning to yes, you. Yes, I, I went through MorganWallen.com. That then, uh, from a ticket ah, standpoint, redirected right. me to. The Ole Miss Athletics Foundation website that was kind of the brokerage or whatever they used to uh, to sell the tickets. So at least that uh, happened. Yeah, yeah, I'm, uh, I am thankful for that. Um, obviously disappointing that it didn't work out last night. And there are a lot of people with a, a sour taste in their mouth. And there's nothing. I mean, like you want to talk about a feeling of. I don't even know if helplessness is the right word, but you're like, wait, but can't you? And you're like, there's nothing you can do about what just happened. Um, I got a couple of thoughts, though. So people that everybody I talked to that went on Saturday said it was a great show, had a great time. I think everybody that was there last night, right up until the point that they didn't, had a great time. Um. I think there were a lot of people that didn't know what they were getting with Hardy. And so some of the reaction you heard, especially from parents who had younger children at the show on Saturday, they were a little surprised perhaps with some of the more colorful language and gestures that happened. I kind of (laughs) knew what we were getting into on Sunday. I thought Hardy was good. Yeah, I'm not like in love with his music, but I think he's really talented. He's written 13 number ones. Primarily that other people are singing. His song with uh, with Lanny Wilson, who is a big star in country music right now also, the um, what, what, Stay in the Truck, that's number one in yeah. country music. Right? I mean, he's wildly talented. And I talked to some people who were at both shows, Saturday night and Sunday night, and they said Hardy might have toned it down a little bit on Sunday night. So maybe I got a slightly tamer version of, of what he did on the first night. Um, the stadium looked incredible. The pictures Every, were really cool. I mean, it was a really neat deal. It's hard to realize. I mean, most of you have been to concerts at some point. It's hard to realize if you haven't been to a big show just how big and elaborate the stage setup is for an event like that. It's incredible. Yeah. Um, and the, the sound acoustics and all that. Really smart people are in charge of all that stuff. Yeah, and it, and it was good. And I don't think there was really a bad seat in the house with the way they had it configured. You know, all the all the talk going into it was that Saturday night's show, in terms of attendance, was going to be significantly bigger than Sunday. That they were going to be in that forty-five to 48,000 people range on Saturday night. And that Sunday was going to be more like, you know, 38 to 40, 42. I wasn't in the stadium on Saturday night to like being able to compare it with my eyes, but there was 
there was not room for another 6,000 people. I mean, there was a big crowd last night. And the people that were sitting in, in front of us um, had uh, had bought four tickets. They lived in, in West Tennessee and had bought four tickets that morning. They, they saw them online. They're like, you know what, let's go. And my guess is there are a lot of people that did that. Um, and there are a lot of people that are disappointed. I mean, it's one thing if you live in Oxford and you had tickets and you're going to get reimbursed for your tickets and you've got the frustration or the disappointment of not seeing the show last night. It's a different deal if you got on an airplane and flew in and rented a house or paid $800 for a hotel room for a night or two. I know and, somebody that flew in from Dallas. Yeah. Oof. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean. And it's kind of the risk you last take, time right? Somebody in that, yeah, so last time somebody in that stadium no-showed, it cost Ole Miss $9 million a year over six years. <laughs> it's an expensive thing. I get it. Jeez. Hey, you know, I had no skin in the game. Uh, but like the the more I think about this, the the more I think that everybody that paid money to see that w- was done a disservice. Because I, I I don't I haven't lately uh, just because life changes and, and the pandemic happened and I've got a three year old. I used to go to to concerts a lot. Like I was a big live music guy. I would drive hours to go see certain bands, especially in college. I mean, I would do overnight road trips to Atlanta to go see people play. Big live music guy. Okay. I, yeah. I have I have seen. Where things went wrong and artists figured out like how to rectify the situation. For example, I went to an OAR show in in Charlotte. Weather bad weather came through. Bad weather, bad weather just wouldn't stop raining. They couldn't put on a show. They rented out a bar down the street. They and Revolution, their opener, and said doors are open. Squeeze in as many as you can. We'll play until they tell us we can't play anymore. Wow. And you know. I, And I was looking this up, too, because I knew I remembered this story. There's another country star named Luke Combs, who he lost his voice uh, after a back-to-back show in May. He lost his voice after the first night. He came out on stage, and you could hear it. Like, my voice is gone, but you guys paid money to be here. You traveled. You've got babysitters. I can't sing real well. All your money's going to get refunded, and I'm going to do what I can for as long as I can. Yeah. Like, that's what... Billie Eilish is, is an, another example. She had a, a show that they had to shut down because of lightning and thunder in the area. They couldn't have the full band out. So she grabs a microphone and just plays until yeah. they tell her you leave the stage. If you truly, if you lost your voice and you've got 48,000 people that came from all over the country in some cases to see you, you do something. You get Hardy on stage with you. He knows all your songs. He wrote a lot of them, I think. <laughs> And you do something for those people. You do something. I've seen it Don't myself. Don't you at the very least come online. out and yeah. apologize? Yes. You show Don't you, you, least, you do yeah, something. At the very least. To me, that's the, like, the bare minimum is he's that way you prove that your voice is the problem. And, and so if he comes out on stage and he's like, hey, everybody, I'm, I'm sorry. I got some bad news. I have no voice. This kills me. I know there are 45,000 of you that are in here that have paid and have sacrificed to be here. I love you. I thank you for, you know, whatever. I heard a lot of people say, well, you know, he could have just come out and, and lip-synced his songs. I don't think you can do that. I, I think that is a terrible plan, and that's a bigger backlash on him longer term if he tries to pull that off, because he's not going to pull it off without people knowing. And, and so, yeah, you either get through it the best you can, Lean on your buddy Hardy and say, hey, man, I know you just did an hour and a half, but uh, I need you to do another hour and a half. Do it with me. We'll kind of make this unplugged. We'll fly by the seat of our pants. I'm going to throw you another half million. 
you know, of the million and a half or two million that I was going to make tonight, I'll give you $500,000. Get me through this. So, but he didn't. We'll be back. Sports Talk Mississippi. Scott Barry joins us next. If it's sports in Mississippi, you'll hear about it here. Here. Sports Talk Mississippi. You like this show, huh? Yeah. Super Talk Mississippi. When it comes to hitching the boat up, backing down the brown in my old truck to find a bunch of laws to catch a bunch of hogs. Yeah, I wrote the book. Yeah, I wrote the book. If you want to learn to throw a curve right, catch a clean up. Look Welcome back. Sports Talk Mississippi streaming at supertalk.fm and supertalk TV. Thanks for being with us. Um, you're just going to have to bear with the fact that we're probably not going to share every rumor that you text us as to what really happened over the course of the weekend. I think there are a lot of people that want to know what really happened on Sunday night, and I think some of those people are uh, are the folks that are in charge, uh, whether related to Morgan Wallen's camp or Ole Miss's camp or whatever. So uh, maybe at some point we'll get a slightly more clear picture of that. Uh, but we turn our attention to baseball now on a Monday, Sports Talk Mississippi. Let's go to the Farm Bureau guest line, check out favorites.com, and go with the home team at Mississippi Farm Bureau. Scott Berry joins us, head baseball coach at Southern Miss, and uh, kind of an odd weekend for the uh, for the Golden Eagles. They salvaged a game yesterday, and they have a big offensive day, getting one against Coastal Carolina, and that was after losing the first two on the weekend Scott, I've joked with you in the past. I mean, you, you never want to lose a series. If you can only win one, I guess you want to win the one on, on getaway day. Maybe makes you feel a little bit better. Um, there's also the idea that all of these conference games count the same, and avoiding being swept is a huge deal. Tell us about the weekend. Yeah, I mean, you can't express it enough. It's, it's a huge deal, and that's what, after Saturday's, loss uh, where they had won the series that's certainly the, the top topic that we talked about the importance and sense of urgency of coming out and being able to salvage one game and keep from getting swept I mean it's just devastating when that happens um, so you know we were able to do that and you're right I mean if you're only going to win one then certainly Sunday or the third one is the one to win because it does at least give you a, a nice mood to uh, to put you traveling home to where you get back at the clubhouse at two in the morning. So uh, it would have been pretty tough had we lost uh, that that one there and getting in as late as we did. So take us through game one. You you jump out to an early lead, get some offense right out of the gate, and it stays that way until the third inning. And then they kind of get going offensively in the third and the fourth, and and they have the big inning in the sixth. Felt like kind of an atypical performance from Tanner Hall. Three innings, four hits, five earned runs, and and seven walks. And to me, that's the part that really stands out. Yeah, you know, he took a shot off the leg, Richard, there in the uh, in the third inning, and he and he pitched he pitched through it. But even prior to that, um, he had had four walks. He just wasn't commanding the zone. Coastal Carolinas, they're really good, uh, and and we saw that on synergy and everything that we scouted. They 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 really lay off pitches out of the zone. They have strike zone awareness. They just don't get themselves out, and they do a tremendous job of extending at bats and just fouling pitches off. And and when they get their pitch, a lot of times they don't miss it. And uh, probably you know to date, I mean, it's the best team that we have faced particularly the offensive side. But, you know, Tanner just wasn't what we have known to have Tanner on Friday night, in all honesty. And I'll tell you, 
we learned a quick lesson from Coastal Carolina. You don't want to get in a run race with them, yeah. uh, and because when they get out in front of you, it's hard to catch them, catch up with them. And and then on Saturday, I mean, you, you look up, you blink, and it's thirteen to nothing after after two innings, and that's almost impossible to come back from. I mean, y- your guys really kind of put things together and got it going after being in a, a big hole, but just not enough offense throughout the course, and and couldn't put zeros up the rest of the way against them. Yeah, you know, I mean, we cut the we cut it like you said, it was thirteen to nothing after two innings, and mm-hmm. uh, they hit Billy Oldham around. He just didn't have enough stuff to get that quality of hitters out and then the guys that 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 we brought in behind them you know we were just trying to to bridge it and not use all our bullets and trying to save those to to at least salvage one game on Sunday but credit our offense in game 2 they they came back and cut it to 13 to 7 but a uh, a, a ball that should have been caught Outfielder slipped in the outfield, which would have been the second out there in the sixth inning. And in all honesty, I think we get out of there with giving up no runs and we keep it at 13 to seven. But that one, uh, that one play where we didn't make the play created that momentum. Next thing you know, we give up six and, uh, and in a hurry. I mean, they can really put runs across the plate in a hurry. And, you know, so we got boat raced literally 20 to seven in that one and, and had a sense of urgency on, on Sunday where you can't get swept, man. I mean, it's like you're on the ground and they're kicking you in the ribs and you either just sit there and, and just continue to take it or you get up and do something about it. And that was the challenge right there. And, uh, you know, I got, I honestly, I credit my wife. She sent me a, a quote that said, uh, you know, when your expectations are high and you fail to meet those, you don't lower your expectations. And, you know, that's, that was the message on Sunday to our team to continue to keep those high expectations. And the best that we could do in this particular scenario of this series was to win that game. But man, is it a huge game to win on the road against a really ranked good team and, and, and avoiding a sweep. And, and Scott, when you want to see your guys fight back, going out and getting four runs in the top of the first on a day where you feel like you got to win it i mean what what a way to set the tone yeah etzel i mean he uh he he gets his first home run of the year and look richard i don't know if you've ever been there before that's the first time yeah. i've been to coastal carolina but it there's no dimensions on the outfield fence and that that's for a reason because they don't want you to know how short that thing plays <laughs> and no no lead is safe especially with their hitters and we jump out four to nothing. You're feeling really good. And then the next thing you know, in the third inning, after Will, Will Armistead oh, uh, has been, his first start on a weekend, uh, who gives us three innings, he runs in some trouble there. In, in the third, gives up four runs. You blink your eye, and it's a tie ball game. Of course, then they follow up with three in the fifth, and now you're in this run race again. But it was Reese Ewing's two-run homer there down seven to four in the sixth, top of the sixth that he hits that gets us back there seven to six, and, and the momentum starts to change. And then we get some quality innings out of out of Nico Mazza, two innings, who has normally been a starter on the weekend. We asked right. him to adopt a different role, and he does that. And then, of course, Justin Storm comes in there and gives us two and a third shutout innings and gets and gets the win. But it was the five-run eighth inning that started with a reissuing double, followed by a Tate Parker double, and then that tied the game. And then things just started taking off, and we hit we hit them for nine runs in the last two innings. You brought up something that I wanted to ask you about. 
That's a beautiful facility. I mean, it, it's a, a gorgeous facility. Obviously, it plays very offensive, and that works to their strengths. But kind of looking at the, the attendance numbers, they're okay this weekend. Is there a reminder when you go to a place like that that's got such a great ballpark, and yet they don't really fill it up just how great you've got it with your fans in Hattiesburg? Oh, 100%. And trust me, that was part of the message to our team, too, how fortunate we are to be in, in Hattiesburg and Southern Miss and how we pack it and to be in the state of Mississippi. We've talked about it. I mean, there's no greater state in college baseball than the state of Mississippi and, and what they do and how they come out and support these universities and these programs. And you're right, a beautiful stadium. And, and even their coach, Gary, was disappointed after Friday's game that he really thought, you know, a, a top 25 matchup um, and that that thing would be packed out. But it wasn't. But you yeah. know what? It would have been here at, in, in the state of Mississippi, I can assure you. Yeah, there's uh, there's no question. you got a, you got a busy week coming up. A couple of midweek games, uh, Tulane and, and Louisiana Tech, and then you jump back into conference play. It feels like we've gotten to the point where – it's like price of poker has gone up, and every game—not that every game doesn't always matter—but now you're to the point of the season where you're thinking about postseason, and you know, hosting versus being on the road and chasing for a conference title, and it feels like all of these are just really, really important for your ball club. Yeah, the mood swings as you get deeper in the season. Obviously, at the beginning, you're still trying to feel and find out who you are, and there's not that much pressure. Obviously, you're trying to win every game. But as you get deeper in the season, you're exactly right. Now these games, as you're trying to build this resume on on missed opportunities or creating new opportunities for yourself for a committee down at the end to, yeah. to look at and say, hey, you're worthy of being one of the 64, you're right. Every game's important. And this is the toughest week that we're going to have to play in the amount of games, five and six days. So we just got back from New Orleans in the airport last night. We're going to turn around at, at 2 o'clock and head back to play hmm. Tulane and then back home on Wednesday against Louisiana Tech before we take on Arkansas State this weekend in our Sun Belt Series. So, tough week ahead of us. And, you know, honestly, we're three and five in midweek games. We haven't been real good in that yeah. area. And we, and we need to find a way to turn that uh, in our direction starting tomorrow. Scott, last thing, only 30 seconds or so left. Uh, this has been a difficult stretch in terms of road games, but it turns in your favor. Three of your final four conference series at home, that's a big deal, isn't it? It is. Yeah, we. I feel like as far as the, the teams and the road and everything's kind of, we've run that gauntlet. Not that anything's easy in front of us. It's all going to be hard, but certainly the travel and everything that goes into a baseball season and playing on the road, getting back late, and trying to do what we do, it all plays in it. So it'll be nice to to be home for these last three out of four uh, weekend series. Wish you the best down the stretch. Thank you, as always, for your time on a Monday afternoon. We'll talk next week. My pleasure. Thanks, Richard. Scott Berry, head baseball coach at Southern Miss, joining us on the Farm Bureau guest line. It was ugly the first two. Lost 15-7, to lost 20-7, to but then they come back and they get a huge win yesterday. 15-7, to the final in that ball game, and uh, you heard him talking about some of the stars in yesterday's game. More coming up with you, Sports Talk Mississippi on a Monday. What we're going to do right here is go back. And now back to back to the sports. This is Sports Talk Mississippi. So let's get rolling. On Super Talk Mississippi. Mississippi. 
Friday after five. I got here just in time. Went ahead and with a line for I went. So, somebody got to hear Morgan Wallen. Is that him? And again, the people, I mean, Jeb sends us a message. I guess Jeb finally got a ticket. He said he went Saturday night and it was fantastic. I mean, the people that were there on Saturday night said it was just spectacular. And everybody that was there last night thought it was spectacular right up until the point that six minutes before he was supposed to come on stage, I had actually gone out to the restroom and I was walking around looking for a snack. I was going to bring back to Jane. And as I was walking back, she called, and I was like, hey, I'll be back in a second. She's like, hey, they just announced he's not playing. I was like, sorry, what? She's like, there's an announcement like typed out on the video board that says he's not playing. And they made an announcement, and people started laughing. And then like two minutes later, they announced again, no, seriously, leave the stadium. It's over. I, I didn't hear that, obviously. I was just kind of relaying what she said, and I've heard others say as well, but... Man, it's – I don't even know how you make that up. I mean, performers cancel shows because of stuff. It does happen. Not five minutes before they walk on stage. Usually not that late in the game, yeah. Yeah, it's like, okay, well, when, when did you know for sure? That's uh, yeah. literally a multi-million dollar question. It, it is. That, it makes you wonder, like, could you have done something where you announce before the concert starts and you, you say, look, both our opening acts are going to perform an extra 30 minutes for you. They're going to give you a, try to give you a bigger show. You're welcome to stay. We understand if you want to leave. Uh, if you want to get a refund, you need to, you know, I don't know, you set up a special thing that I don't know. I don't know. I don't know the answer. They, they could have, they, something could have happened, and it, it should have come from the artist himself. I, I will stand on that and die on that hill forever. He should have done or if if he couldn't have people around him should have done something more than yeah. y'all just go home sorry um when somebody was there they said saturday night was the best show i've ever seen i, mean, I think there are a lot of people that felt like that like it was that good and it was that cool i i feel that like this is something that is is very naive to say and so i fully admit that here's what Here's what has stuck in my mind, though, throughout the course of the day. Because all kinds of rumors about whatever state he was in. Not like Mississippi, Alabama, Tennessee. He wasn't in Mississippi? No, no. We're, we're talking about the uh, the state of his of his person. Um, those rumors are all over the place. And I was just sitting here kind of throughout the day thinking, it, the, the, the concept is so foreign to me that you could do something to your body either the previous day or the day of that would cause you not to be able to work and perform for tens of thousands of fans for an hour and a half that would net you personally billion and a half two million dollars I mean on, on top of the million and a half, two million dollars that you made 24 hours, maybe you just make so much money that you just don't care. But it's like, how do you get to a place mentally if any of the rumors about his state turn out to be true that 
you don't care about that kind of paycheck. I, I don't, I don't understand it. Clearly, I've never been a rock star, country star, big star, whatever. I'm hoping that we can talk to Steve Azar later this week because Steve has toured for a long time. He's been a big-time performer. He's done big, big, big shows, and he has also admitted before that he has had voice issues before. I want to ask Steve, like, from a, a touring musician standpoint, what is this process? How does it work? Is the star the only person that gets a vote? And if he says, I'm not performing, then everybody goes home? Is there a manager? Is there a friend? Is there a contract that has influence on whether or not you step away or not? What's the right way to handle it from the perspective of a performer? Could he have grabbed Hardy and said, hey, let's do it together? I thought that was a pretty cool suggestion a second ago, Borky, that, that you made. Why not grab Hardy and say, man, I don't know what I can get through. You know my music as well as I do. To your point, you've written half my songs. We'll do some of your stuff. We'll do some of my stuff. We'll try to kind of riff off of each other. I need to lean on you. Play some covers. Yeah, you know, yeah. Do something. Yeah, whatever. And, and you could created, on, yeah. yeah, just be a performer and go put on a show. If you're the number one touring act in country music right now, then you can't figure out how to put on a show. And then there's the other part of it. Maybe his voice did go out. Maybe he had no voice and he could not perform. And, okay, fair enough. He he did a performance the night before in mid-50-degree weather. Maybe he had a large time over the course of the weekend. Is exhausted. Somebody pointed out that it's like, you know, it's kind of a bad deal if you look at the rest of his tour and the number of back-to-backs, and in some occasions, back-to-back-to-backs, that nine days into the tour, he has to cancel his first show. Or nine shows into the tour. That may not be a harbinger of great things to come. We'll see. He's got to do a better job of keeping him on his feet, I guess. But ceasefire <laughs> text line, George No-Show Jones missed tons of concerts with, quote, voice issues. Hank Jr. played hundreds of shows. Too drunk to remember his songs. Which do you prefer? feel like the people Hank. that hopped on an airplane and, and, and went would have preferred yeah. something happened. At, at least give me what you got. I mean, how many, times, how many times did uh, has, has Jimmy Buffett done a show where he was in a state of being that he probably shouldn't have been singing to 30,000 people at the time, and yet he got through it and everybody has a good time and nobody forgets it because he just keeps going? Yeah. Def Leppard's exactly. drummer lost his arm in a train accident and continued touring. Which seems like an occupational I think it was a train accident, right? Uh, uh, something, but right. he, he he lost an arm, yeah. and they just it was kept a car on plugging. accident. But yeah, yeah, yeah. K dog. I was in state all weekend, it. but I delivered. No, no issues. Spoiled rich performers don't give a fat rat's behind about regular people. John Advance says, "Think about the poor people that bought third party tickets." Yeah, I, I think that yeah. they can fight for. But that's a whole other conversation for another day. And it involves sports as well, to stick to sports guy. The third-party ticket Who's on there? Who's in the mentions? He's there, in yeah. there. Just one, though, mind you. Um, the the way that these, these third-party ticket vendors gouge 
sports fans and music fans mm-hmm. is absurd. I, I was I was looking for two Pelicans tickets, right? Go go see one of their last games. I would have paid for three with fees and handling costs and all that crap. So they have a price for one. It was like eighty five dollars, right? Mm-hmm. So one hundred and seventy for the two. Nope. It was like 250 for the two with all the fees and all that stuff. It's, it's, hor- it's a terrible business. And like they even had a hearing on Capitol Hill about it where they can't even defend themselves. It, it's, it's awful. Yeah. People are just going to stop going. Now, or not. Or, or, or not. Or I they're guess. not. But, or they're just going to pay the fees. And I mean, if you look at Taylor Swift tickets on the secondary market, whoo! Uh, we get the obligatory move on to sports. Yeah, we will. No. Not right now. This is a fun Uh, story. Chris in Oxford, the Dave Matthews Band, played a show with half of their band out with COVID a couple of years ago. They figured out another way, and they did the show. That's what what you should do. That's what you should do. Also, uh, for fun, uh, Google Dave Matthews Band tour bus incident Chicago for a fun little Google search. Let's I mean, <laughs> I did it, Richard. Do you know? I did a story? show with COVID back in mm-hmm. back in February. I mean, yeah, I got did. through it. Yeah, do you yeah. know the story of the Dave Matthews Band tour bus in Chicago? I don't think I do. I'll, I'll have to check that out. Yeah, uh, I'll, I'll keep it PG. But long story short, the uh, the driver of the bus was going over one of the bridges in Chicago over the river mm-hmm. and decided to get rid of the the waste on the bus. And there was a boat driving underneath the bridge as the bus was unloading. <laughs> and it got all over the boat. That's yeah, kind <laughs> of a stinky situation, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. yeah, you think? Oh, oh my goodness. Oh, goodness. Not as bad as the Cleveland balloon launch. That's another fun Google. Doesn't it feel like maybe the um, band's like, widespread and fish and others have performed in slightly altered states again we're not totally talking geography doable. well i mean you know back in the 80s i don't think motley crew was out there on gatorade i mean you know they they were they were in the they state. may have called it that mm. yeah uh Ozzy Osbourne? i mean you don't bite the head off a bat you know because you're hungry <laughs> oh no you don't Oy. Uh there have been a couple of people, Mike included, that have uh, pointed out that Hank Jr. did a show, David uh, points it out as well, uh, in which he was sloshed slash passed out during a song on stage at uh, Tad Smith Coliseum. Once May again, old country peace. is just better than new country. May it rest in peace, but perhaps have a reincarnation at some point along the way? Saying, maybe? What's this? We'll be back. Sports Talk Mississippi. Communication system is a go. Go! This, this is Sports Talk Mississippi. Right here on Super Talk Mississippi. Exactly. Chris Lamonis will join us in the 4 o'clock hour. Mike Bianco in the 5 o'clock hour on a baseball Monday. Let's just be real. These conversations are more fun when things are going well. And they're more fun in both directions, right? Probably more fun for Chris Lamonis and Mike Bianco to talk to us about things going well. More fun for us to ask questions and 
more fun for you to hear what they're saying, but things are not going particularly well right now for either of these ball clubs. Mississippi State had a, a, a bit of a respite over the last couple of weeks, right? They, they won the series at Alabama. They had the excitement of winning the series against Ole Miss with Super Bulldog weekend. And we talked about an absolutely critical series the Bulldogs had going on the road against Auburn this past weekend. And for Ole Miss, the margin was incredibly narrow. When we laid out last week, Borky, the scenario of how do they get to 13 wins, we did it saying that they had to figure out a way to win one against LSU. Winning the series would be great, but you got to win one. They had the opportunity to do that yesterday. They were a strike away. They were an out away in the top of the ninth inning after Judd Utermark's pinch hit two-run home run to give them a 6-4 lead. An out away after a lazy pop fly to short and a lazy pop fly into the outfield. Like, LSU looks non-competitive. And all of a sudden, Mitch Morrell can't find the strike zone. And he walks a guy. And he hits a guy. And LSU pinch hits in the nine hole. And he's got a one-two pitch, and he just throws a cement mixer up there, and the guy, Hayden Travinsky, smokes it. And then, and then in the bottom of the ninth inning, Ole Miss is four feet, three feet, from walking it off themselves yeah, with a two-run home run. Instead, it's caught back against the wall in left field. Then you get a lazy fly ball from McCants, and that ends it. it and Ole Miss gets swept. And what's... Um, I mean, we, we've, we'll talk about both of the situations that these teams are in as the week goes. But you, you mentioned Ole Miss, so we'll start there. This wasn't supposed to be a rebuilding year. At least I don't think it was. You had Hunter Elliott back. You had a ton of your lineup back. I know Elko was gone, and I know Graham was gone, but, man, you had so much returning from that team. It was next year that was supposed to be the... Yeah, they were preseason top ten, and nobody on this show and nobody else refuted that and said, well, I don't know about that. And, And this team is going to lose everybody. Everybody that starts regularly. now. I mean, they should be in better shape from a pitching standpoint a year from now than they are. And they've gotten some good things from Quinn and Rivas, and there's some potential there. And, you know, Furness has shown some potential, but the lost in the embarrassment that has been the season, if we're being honest, is Camp Alderman's having... I mean, one of the best power hitting seasons in the history of the program. Yeah, he's been unbelievable. And Gonzalez is going to be what top ten pick. Mm-hmm. That's gone from this team, the three and fifteen in the SEC team. They're losing that. They're losing their center fielder. They're losing their second baseman who hasn't produced at the, the plate at all. But they're they're losing him. They're losing their catcher. <laughs> Losing their first baseman, right? I think he's out of eligibility. Mm-hmm. Clark, oh yeah, grad transfer. Oh yeah, it's going to look completely different a year from now. It, but it, maybe it needs to look completely different, considering the fact that they're three and fifteen through yeah. eighteen games in conference play. Hey, Dad, what a what a contrast of games this weekend on the plains. Two to one on Friday. 
Auburn gets a run in the fifth. State gets a run in the seventh. Auburn gets a run in the eighth. Ball game. Paige Smith was great. Six innings, three hits, six strikeouts. Tommy Vale, the starter for Auburn, five innings, three hits, no runs. And then you get the next two days that turn into late-inning slugfest after Mississippi State was very much in control. On Saturday, State's up, what, 11-3? to And Auburn comes racing back. And they were up 11-3 to after getting three runs in the top of the eighth and two runs in the top of the ninth. How big were those? Because yeah. Auburn came out and scored seven in the bottom of the ninth, couldn't close the deal. They lose eleven to ten. And then yesterday, State leads it seven to nothing after three innings. And then here comes Auburn with the comeback once again. Three in the fourth, four in the sixth, one in the seventh, three in the eighth, one in the ninth. They come all the way back and they win it twelve to eleven, despite three errors in the game. Complete meltdown by the MSU bullpen, which is something we've been dealing with. You know, we've been talking about it all season long here. That that bullpen is unreliable, but some injuries have finally caught up to Mississippi State, and they just don't have a lot of options. And it shows they have a lot of guys who are not competitive pitchers in the SEC. Yeah, and Nate Dome not sure about his health at this point going forward either. We'll have no. to wait and see. Sports Talk Mississippi, four o'clock hours next. Winners and losers. Mississippi. Sports Talk Mississippi. Will you ever get so excited that you just can't wait? Sports Talk Mississippi. Covering your Mississippi team. I've been waiting my whole life for this. Here on Super Talk Mississippi. He's not coming in. Where's that guy? Sorry. Where's that guy right now? Now, if you never have to cancel a show because of not being able to uh, get the words to come out. Not that I'm I'm aware of. Welcome back. Sports Talk Mississippi. Streaming at supertalk.fm and supertalk TV. Thanks for being with us. Ceasefire text line is open to you at 601-879-4395. Ceasefire.com, that's where you go to find the best in wireless, the best in fiber-to-the-home internet service, and the best in IT solutions for your business. Visit them online at ceasefire.com or stop by a Ceasefire store near you today to learn more. Coming to you from the Pearl River Resort Studios, Pearl River Resort, home of the Sportsbook at the Golden Moon Casino. It's where you can get in on the action Sportsbook at the Golden Moon Casino. For more, check out PearlRiverResort.com. Thanks for being with us. If you want to uh, be a part of the conversation, hit us up. It's time right now for winners and losers. All I, all I, all I And will not tolerate a loser. Winner never win. And a winner never 
What'd you like from the weekend? What did you not like from the weekend? I can only imagine what your responses will be. Hmm. We'll get to as many of them as we can now and then after our conversation with Chris Lamonis. Hey, Dad, let's start with you. Fresh off your vacation, you should do some work on a Monday. Give us a, uh, a leadoff winner. South Carolina baseball. I think that's the best team in the SEC. I know LSU is still number one in the nation, but I would put South Carolina ahead of them. They split with the Tigers a few weeks ago, and they had the game that was rained out. I was very interested to see how that was going to play out. But they just go and sweep Florida this weekend, a team that had been playing really, really well. They're 34-6 and on the year. They're very balanced. They have good pitching, good hitting. It's good to see South Carolina back. You know, They had a few years there where they were not the kind of program you know that that can be year in and year out. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you said who's the best team in the conference right now, I would say South Carolina. They're good. And you know what they're doing? They're, they're doing it right now without Will McGillis. Yeah. Who who was a double-digit home run guy before he broke his hand early in the season. They're going to get him back in the, uh, the next couple of weeks. He had, what, 11 home runs in 23 games? Something Ethan like that, Petrie. Yeah. The, we're going to have to rename the SEC Freshman of the Week award this year. It just needs to become the Ethan Petrie Memorial Trophy. And uh, he can award it to somebody else if they happen to have a better week than him, but that seems unlikely at this point. So, wow. That's a great winner. What a big sweep. I'll give you another team in the SEC that's a winner this weekend. They have not been a winner as much this year. Tennessee broke Vanderbilt's soul on Friday night. They were down... 3-1 Three to one in the bottom of the ninth inning. They hit a solo home run to make it three to two. They hit a solo home run to make it three to three. They got extra innings, and in the twelfth, they hit a walk off home run for a four to three win. And it was like Vanderbilt just couldn't get over the hump. And then Tennessee commits to beat Vanderbilt to death for the next two days. And we've been waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting, and you're like, okay, is it going to happen for this Tennessee team? Well, it may have just happened this weekend. In the start of the second half of conference play, they go from 5-10 and 10 to 8-10. and 10. They're very much in the mix. They've got a talented pitching staff. They seem to have found some roles. And, yes, on the horizon, they will host Mississippi State. Just in time. Just in time. Borky, give me a winner. So I've been we've been sitting on this story for a little while, so I'm just going to bring it here. If you are a fan of sports shows, there's one coming down the pipe. Now it's it's a little while away, but Will Ferrell is going to star in a television series where he is a professional golfer and he is the face of a new rogue golf league, very similar to what's happening with Live in the PGA Tour, but it's not its not going to be like a documentary. It, it's a Will Ferrell show. Uh, they're trying to pull the same vibes from you know, semi-pro and Talladega Nights and stuff like that. A sports comedy, a golf comedy is coming with Will Ferrell, who has done four sports movies and has knocked them out of the park. Blades of Glory being, being the other one. They are all funny, and I can't wait to see this. They haven't uh, announced what platform it's going to be on yet, I assume because they're going to allow a bidding war to to take place. But yeah, Will Ferrell currently working on a golf comedy series where he's the face of a renegade new golf league pulling vibes from his sports movies. I can't wait. Any more winners? 
Do we need any more winners? Do we go to losers? This is a terrible weekend, so. Yeah, it's almost like you got to go elsewhere for winners. Hey, Dad's Lakers are up two to one in their series. They led the Grizzlies thirty-five to nine at the end of the first quarter. Kind of had to hang on. Grizz cut it to uh, single John Morant decided to go into overdrive. That was an insane performance by him. Yeah, go figure. What a miraculous recovery to not be able to go at all two days earlier, and then he can go out and give you 45. It's incredible. Hey, uh, I'm going to give Ole Miss a winner, and I'm talking about like the athletics department for what they pulled off this weekend. Look, if you go online, you're going to see the complaints about traffic, and you're going to be complaints about lines and whatever. Guess what? There were 50,000 people coming onto campus, 45,000 people coming onto campus as a baseball game with 11,000 people were trying to leave campus, probably half of them, maybe more than that. And it was the first time they'd ever done that, and it turned out great. And for the people who are like, Ole Miss did a poor job of promoting it. No, you just did a poor job of consuming the information that you needed. It was there. How traffic was going to be handled, what the parking situation was, what your options were, when showtimes were going to begin. You missed something, that's on you. I thought they did a tremendous job pulling off what should have been two massive nights of concert and turned out to be one and a half. Fans, other than Morgan Wallen last night, got exactly what they wanted and more exactly what they expected and more. Stadium looked great. Stage was cool. The setup was good. Tip of the cap to the parking attendants. My buddy Bobby in Batesville, who I met last night. Um, the ticket takers, the concession workers, the security personnel, the Oxford Police Department, Lafayette County Sheriff's Department that handled beautifully basically an impossible situation two days in a row. There are a lot of winners. And then old schmuckety schmuck decides not to perform last night and cast a pall, a cloud, over the whole weekend. Boo to that. So there's your loser. Morgan Wilde puts on a great show on Saturday night. Biggest touring act in country music, like we said earlier. You got to figure out how to go. And if it's something that you did to your body to cause you not to be able to go, shame on you. And if it just happened, people lose their voice. You got to figure out a way to piece it together and do something for the people that are there. You got to decide that putting on some sort of show to entertain 45,000 people and give them whatever you've got is better than dealing with an embarrassing fact that you can't sing. Then have another show till Thursday. Get through it somehow. Call your performers out. You're, you're, you're open to whatever it is. You got to get through it. That's weak sauce from Morgan Wallen. I, I forget the guy's name, and I hate that I did, but I, I saw a video over the weekend of a, a performer that uh, he's a singer that suffers with Tourette syndrome. And during one of his songs, he was having an episode and, and could not get through it, and so he just teed it up for the crowd, and the crowd sang it back to him. That, that, that guy's on stage having Tourette's tics and can't perform, and they, he found a way. It, I mean, you're Morgan Wilde, you walk on stage, you're like, hey, guys, I'm leaning on you tonight. We're going to do this together because i got no voice. I can't get through an hour and a half of me singing solo. I'm leaning on you. I'm going to lean on my buddy Hardy, and we're going to get through it. Didn't do it. Nope. Didn't do it. 
Another loser, the five NFL players that were suspended for gambling, uh, three of which were betting on NFL games, one of which, C.J. Moore, former Ole Miss player. The other two, uh, one being Jamison Williams, uh, bet at a team facility, not on NFL games. And I have seen people say, well, that's not fair. They weren't even betting on the NFL. You know, maybe you can make that argument, sure. But... From hearing interviews from NFL players, current and former, it is everywhere at the facility. It is talked about at length. Do not bet while you're here and never bet on NFL games. Do not do it. Like, it is hammered into their brains. They know not to. Well, it's not fair. Then don't sign the contract. I mean, C.J. Moore especially, I mean, he just got a new contract and then they release him because he's suspended for the year. Just... Something that you know you're not supposed to do, and you do it anyway, is that's frustrating, and it might cost him his NFL future. Yeah. Another former Alabama player betting in the NFL getting suspended. Yeesh. Chris Lamonis joins us next, Farm Bureau guest line. Okay, what we do next? Keep it moving, buddy. You can be a part of Sports Talk Mississippi. 888-808-8637 on Super Talk Mississippi. Talked about Mississippi State's weekend at Auburn a little while ago. We'll now discuss it with Chris Lamonis, the head baseball coach at Mississippi State on the Farm Bureau guest line. Check out favorites.com and go with the home team. Three different types of games. A, uh, a pitcher's duel where offense was at a premium on Friday night. Auburn wins a, uh, wins a r- one-run game. Hard to say there. Uh, Mississippi State wins game two, has to hang on for dear life at the end, has a big lead in game three, can't hang on. I, I know, Coach, in a lot of ways, this is a weekend that had to be as, as frustrating as any that you've had with the way the game's played out. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, we get a great pitching performance on Friday night, and they do too, but just to score one run in, in that ballpark was, uh, you know, frustrating. Probably, uh, you know, we've been so good. You know, I'm pretty good deep offensively for the last couple of weeks, and, um, you know, you have a, you catch a sack uh, bunt, make a great play, and the next thing you know, they get two bases out of it, you know, to get theirs there too. So that was frustrating. Thought we played well on, uh, Saturday, obviously we have a tough ninth inning. Uh, luckily, we're able to hold on to it. And then, um, you know, the, the game yesterday was just really, really frustrating. Um, you know, we have, we have a couple, an arm or two down, and so it puts a little bit of tax on the staff and, and uh, you know, just, just weren't able to get it done. You know, the crazy thing about Saturday is you, you might feel good going into the ninth inning if it's a 6-3 ball game. You got a huge cushion in that game, up eleven to three, and it just kind of underscores you never know when you're going to need more runs, especially in the SEC, because the three runs in the eighth and the two runs in the ninth turn out to be the difference in the win. Yeah, no, that's right, that's right, and just you know, you, you know, we keep saying it to our guys that you know, yesterday we don't, you know, we don't pitch good at there at the end, uh, good enough to win for sure, but you know, they brought in a guy with a ten ERA in the sixth inning, you know, and we score one run the rest of the day. Um, you know, just to be able to add on, add on, add on is we say it all the time. And you see, I mean, you see these comebacks in our league like crazy. They're, they're all over college baseball, but, um, unfortunately, you know, to have two in two days is, 
uh, frustrating. Coach, when when you look at your your past couple of weekends, you know it looked like you had sorted some things out from a pitching perspective. You were getting some good innings out of your bullpen. Your starters have been pitching well right up until the bottom of the ninth on Saturday, and then it sort of continues from the bullpen on Sunday. When you talk to Coach Foxhall about bullpen and the decisions that are being made there and and, and the approach there, you know what are those conversations like right now? Where where's the disconnect between what you guys want to see happen and what is happening? You know, well, it's uh, you know, we probably stretched Casey Hunt a little long in the <clears throat> in the Saturday game, and he, um, but he was pitching great. We knew we weren't going to get in the rest of the weekend. Um, figured we might as well run him back out there, and he actually, I mean, they give him a pop up homer to start, gets the next guy out, and the next three hits are under about eighty five mile an hour. You know, just seeing eye singles, <clears throat> and then you know, as as that inning gets going, then it gets really hard to stop and. We had to bring our closer in, and Aaron wasn't. Aaron Aaron was actually better yesterday, but uh, wasn't great in that outing. And then, you know, obviously, you know, yesterday's game, you're, you're trying to piece it together because we don't have Dome for a long time, we don't have Nixon for a long time, and you know, we we end up, you know, low comes out in about the fifth. So we had to piece it together with some guys, and, and we just did piece it together the right way. When you look at what's left, I mean, it's no secret that the the four weeks you got remaining in conference play are a murderer's row. Um, yeah. And you think about kind of the the narrow path to playing well enough to to get into a regional. Do you have a conversation about that with your ball club, or do you just assume that you know that <laughs> they really. know what's in front of them and they got to go play and figure it out? Yeah, we just got to figure out day to day. I mean, we we're not, we're not good enough to figure out. What's going to happen four weeks from now or three weeks from now? We knew at the beginning of the year we had the hardest. You know, they put it out in all the you know papers of we you know we have the hardest schedule in the league, and that is pretty much paid out played out. <clears throat> we just didn't realize when we were going to Kentucky they were going to be hot, and the South Carolinas and Vanderbilts we got them at their hot times too. So we we knew this going out the back end would be tough, and uh, you know we just got to go and win some games. You know we got we got to get something this weekend and. Then, come back and have a good series here against Arkansas, too. So um, it is what it is. You, you sign up to play in the SEC. There's nothing easy. Um, and, you know, it's our, it's our job to be better. This two series in a row were Friday night, that offense that you mentioned, which has been playing well, uh, it wasn't there for you. You know, 3-2 yeah. last week against Ole Miss and then 2-1 two week this past, week, two, one this past weekend against Auburn. What's been the difference from Friday night? I mean, obviously the quality of pitching on Friday nights in this conference is outstanding, but what's the biggest difference with your offense from the Friday nights to these Saturday games where you are piling up some hits and runs? I wish I could tell you that, you know, because like I said, I really like our offense. You know, they've, they, they pretty much bring it every day, but in both games, we just lose, we don't we don't do situational offense. You know, uh, Friday night we had a chance with second and third and roller guy. You know, just to do the little things, and we just haven't done it. And for the most part, we have this year in that world, but it's just uh, you know hadn't been there for us the, the last two Friday nights. And those are you know th- those are two big. Now both weekends, I think all three games this weekend were decided by a run, and last weekend. Two by run and the other by two runs. So we're, we're we're just in these tight games, and you know when you're in tight games, we you know we need to do a better job of separating. I know the answer to this question is going to be you don't, but I have to ask: Is there any kind of update on Nate Dome? We got some good news today, so we don't we don't think it's anything long lasting. So it'll it'll probably be something uh, you know week to week we feel like, and so um, that was good news. We got to play it out by year and see see how it goes with him, but. Um, 
we did get some good news in that world. Chris, what about Tennessee? I mean, they they kind of struggled for a big part of the year, and then this past weekend, it's like they get new life with that crazy win on on Friday night in twelve innings over Vanderbilt, and then all of a sudden for the next two days they play the way I think a lot of people expected them to play. When you look at what you're going to face this weekend in Knoxville, what stands out for you? Well, it's the front line arms. I mean, you're you're facing. They, they probably still have the best arms out there, and they're still all intact and all pitching good. And I think the one thing you've seen with Tennessee this year, they have struggled on the road, you know, and they probably, they played, uh, you know, the first half they played three and five, you know, three on the road and two at home. And, yeah. uh, but when they've played at home, they've played really good. So they swept Bandy, swept Texas A&M. I think they may have lost to Florida was the one, and Florida's playing really good at that point. So, um, but yeah, it's just, you're going to have to go in there and, and, and you're going to have to swing it a little bit and then you're going to have to hold down their off. Their offense seems a lot better when they're at home. That's one of those parks where it flies too, right? I mean, that's a pretty good hitter spark. Yeah. It is a hitter spark. Yeah. It's very offensive and, um, plays at a home run a good bit, you know, if the wind's blowing right. Yeah. Big week coming up. We uh, certainly appreciate your time. Always good to catch up on Mondays. All right. Thanks, guys. Take care. Chris Lamonis, head baseball coach at Mississippi State. Excuse me, Mississippi State joining us on the Farm Bureau guest line. Check out favorites.com and go with the home team, Mississippi Farm Bureau. So sorry to drop out any there, but I thought that was worth tweeting out what he said about Nate Dome. So that's yeah, exactly no, what I no, did. absolutely. So in terms of starting pitching this weekend, kind of going in reverse order, Sanji gives up more than you would like yesterday, but he did give you five innings, and mm-hmm. it was five earned runs. But then after that, the bullpen gives up seven, and that yeah. leads to a loss. On Saturday, that's... in the win, the bullpen, Casey Hunt, Aaron Nixa, mm-hmm. over the course of five innings, combined to give up ten hits and eight runs. Now, Hunt did strike out seven, and he didn't walk anybody. He just got hit hard and gave I mean, up a bunch of runs. Seven of those runs are in the ninth inning, right? Right. So I mean, you know, prior to the ninth, they're they're cruising, they're 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 pitching really well. This was an injury weekend. I mean, not having Bradley Lofton, not having Landon Gartman, who didn't start for you on on Saturday, you had to start uh, Colby Holcomb, who was a guy you would have had out of the bullpen, and you get Holcomb gave you a really good start there. So four innings, two earned runs, and and here's the thing, hey Dad, I mean. Yeah. I know Chris Lamona said a second ago, you, you stretch Casey Hunt maybe a little farther than you would have liked to. He throws 75 pitches in relief, but he's got an 11 to 3 lead going into the bottom of the ninth inning. You're like, hey, man, it may just go get me three outs. Go get me three outs. Let's get to the house. Let's pervert, preserve as many arms as we can. Right. Try and win He's coming out of a one, two, three inning. There, there's no reason to pull him there. Right. That's, that's right. the right decision. Now, maybe they, they, they certainly left him in too long, they left him hanging. But. There, there was no reason to think at that moment, hey, if we can get three more outs here, we, we're, we're going to save Nixon for another day, and, and we don't have to go to another arm. We should definitely do that. That's that's the, the correct decision. And and yesterday it just was, I mean, it was everybody out of the pen. After Sanji gives you the five innings, Tyson Harden gives you an inning but gives up two runs. Graham Intima, no percentage of an inning, gives up a run, walks a batter. Nate Dome inning and a third, three earned runs. Aaron Nixon gives up a run and ends up taking the loss in the game as Auburn comes from behind with a run in the bottom of the ninth inning to win it 12 to 11. 
Tough weekend. Really tough. And that's probably that for the for the, the postseason for Mississippi State. I mean, the only way you overcome that is go win a bunch of games you're not going to be expected to win. A bunch. Mm-hmm. Simple as that. Simple Sports as that, talk. right? Yeah. Sports Talk Mississippi streaming at supertalk.fm and supertalk TV. We will be back. Sports Talk Mississippi. Sports Talk Mississippi on Super Talk Mississippi. Did you get that memo? Yes, sir. There were a lot of funny tweets last night. Karen Howell may have taken the, the, the award when she tweeted, if you have facts about Morgan Wallen's illness, send it to compliance at oldmiss.edu. If not, please do not slander this young man or insult his family. Anytime you can use that template, it's usually a winner. Yeah, that was, um, there was a lot. There were a lot of people that um, tweeted that it's the most disappointed they had been leaving Bought Hemingway Stadium since November. <laughs> you know. Ah. So, uh, anyway. Anyway. Oh, man. I feel like we need to at least touch on this because it's a big story nationally. Aaron Rodgers is signed with the Jets, and the Jets gave up King's ransom to get him. They swapped first-round picks. This year, they give up a fifth-round pick this year, a second-round pick this year, a conditional pick next year that will be first or second, depending on how much Rodgers plays with the Jets. And, Borky, you pointed out to me earlier, and I I think this is um, pretty smart. When you got a guy that doesn't want to play for you and you're trying to figure out how to get rid of him and you get that kind of a haul... When it was kind of predetermined that he wasn't going to be back with you, job yeah. well done, Packers. Uh, seriously, this is a great deal for Green Bay. He did, he announced himself on Pat McAfee's show to I think a million five hundred thousand people. I'm going to be playing for the Jets. That was what two months ago, month ago. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He had no intention of re- he would not have returned to Green Bay. He would not have played for the Green Bay Packers this year. Would have just hung it up. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And they get. To move up two spots, a second-round pick, and a first-round pick. And then, yeah, fifth, whatever. But they get, a, they get a swap, a first, and a second. For a guy that was not going to play with them anymore. It's a great deal for Green Bay. Now we're going to find out what yeah, Jordan Love is worth. And if it's nothing, okay. Now you got picks. You get an extra first next year. Yeah. Caleb Williams is going to be available. You know, Drake May is going to be available. Yeah, next year's quarterback class is a little sexier than this year's. Feels like it. Yeah. Although everybody's talking themselves into Will Levis going number two overall, so. Big this, arm. Yeah, big arm. 
Big arm. The results this weekend around the SEC were a little head-scratching in baseball. Arkansas goes to Georgia. Arkansas leading the West. Georgia four wins in conference play, though playing better as of late. They had a series win against Kentucky two weeks ago. Probably, not should have, but could have easily won the series against Florida in Gainesville last weekend. Did not. Lost two or three. And they sweep Arkansas. They got all three. And the first two, it was like completely in control. And then it looks like Arkansas is going to get game three. And then, uh uh-oh, here comes the vaunted Georgia offense. Because, well, they hit. They trailed in that game seven to four going into the bottom of the ninth inning. And they cap it off with a Charlie Condon Grand Slam to win 9-8 and sweep. Tennessee sweeps Vanderbilt. Do you see that one coming? No, no but is no, that surprising? I don't surprising? think anybody could say that. A little. No, it's, wait, a, wait. it's a little surprising. Winning the series is not surprising. Sweeping them and kind of dominating them the last two games surprising. Yeah, mm-hmm. I'm telling you, watching it unfold at the end on Friday night, I was able to watch the end of it because the Ole Miss game didn't start until 8.30 uh, against LSU. It was like Vanderbilt's soul was broken on Friday night. Mm. So does Tennessee capitalize on this? they got Mississippi State coming in this weekend. Do they keep it rolling? Did they find something on the mound? Kind of going to Chase Burns as a reliever that throws 101 and brings a lot of emotion. Hasn't worked with him as a starter. So, I mean, Tennessee, they're, they're, wouldn't you think Tennessee's looking at this thing going, yeah, we, we kind of played with our food for the first half of conference play. We've gotten it figured out. And if we get a sweep this weekend, we're now 11-10. and 10. You finish this thing strong, we're back in the hosting conversation. Are they John Wicking it right now? Yeah, I'm thinking I'm back. And they be thinking they're back. Yeah. Who's going to beat them in the Super Regional this year? Well, they'll probably, I mean, right now, unless they get really hot, aren't they kind of, you know, down the chain? They could be the nine going to to LSU or something. The nine would go to the eight, not the one. Oh, you're right. My bad. They should go. Yeah, my bad. I don't think I, don't I always think you're do see Tennessee. I, I never, in I never get. Yeah, I don't think I, I always get the bracket. I mean Tennessee in Baton Rouge. I mean unless they're the 16, which that so. that seems unlikely right now. Yeah. What timing? Isn't that great? It just the the timing of it all. I, I was... and, and for both, Ole Miss hosts Georgia coming off of a sweep of Arkansas and having won three, four, five, six of their last nine yeah. games. After a one and nine start to league play, and Mississippi State, they're headed to a red hot Tennessee who just swept a top five opponent at home. Yeah. After a five and ten start to league play, I was thinking about this last night because Ole Miss, Southern Miss obviously still in position to make the postseason. Ole Miss and State currently are not. Um, for Ole Miss to have a puncher's chance, they have to go ten and two. 
in the remaining 12 conference games to get to 13 SEC wins. They have not won a series yet. In the last four, they have to sweep two of them, mathematically. Uh, Unlikely. And State, albeit getting some pretty good news about a bullpen arm, has murderer's row for the next three weeks, it feels like. So the, the postseason outlook, not good. So how do we make this sucks? Because this sucks. The, these two teams are not good. State two years in a row not being good, among the worst in the SEC. Almost having the worst season in Mike Bianco's tenure. And that's been over two decades. Almost two and a half decades. And this is the worst season he's had. How do we make that conversation interesting? Other than this is terrible, it's rock bottom. And my thought is, when do we start looking at what's next as opposed to you know, who George is starting on the mound this weekend? Because based on my limited sample size, Ole Miss fans don't care about who George is starting on Friday. Yeah, I mean, the, the, the look ahead is how are you remaking your roster? Yeah, and for State, it's possibly a, a different, not possibly, it's a different conversation. It's do you move on, and if you don't, do you force wholesale changes? And then if you force wholesale changes, how does a coach make a hire, get a guy to pick up and move where he's at, knowing that I've got a year and I'm SOL? Because, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, State fans, I don't think State fans particularly care about the the complexities of the series upcoming where... Tennessee's got this many lefties, and this is who they're going to start on Saturday. I think it's more big picture. Because it feels like the season is done. And it's not. Games are going to be played. The math says there is a possibility. But the vibes of interacting with people, they're done. They think the season's over. They're done. You're talking about among fans? Fans, yes. Yeah. That's how fans feel. I don't I yeah. I would be surprised yes. if the team feels that way. But the fans feel that way. No. But yeah, the, the fans have all but tapped out at for Mississippi State at this point. I mean, they just there's not a lot of hope left to, to, to squeeze out of that uh that orange. You know what's kind of interesting to me is as it stands right now, it is unlikely that Ole Miss is going to Hoover. Something dramatically has to change on the field. they got to make up a lot of ground. And if Ole Miss is going to get there, there are two teams that they got to pass. they got to pass Mississippi State, who holds the tiebreaker against them, and they got to pass Missouri, who they play still later this year. The Mississippi State thing may just be kind of like a battle of attrition. You know, maybe it's Ole Miss and Mississippi State that are the two that are left out. State sitting on six wins. I mean, Auburn's going to win some more games down the stretch. They're at seven and eleven. Georgia's going to win some more down the stretch. Seven and eleven. Tennessee, eight and ten. They're going to win some more down the stretch. And so you've got what three teams? Trying to be to avoid be the two being the two left out. Is there anybody else even in that conversation? No, not really. Doesn't feel like it. We'll see. 
Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming at supertalk.fm and supertalk TV. More coming up. Can you feel it? Can you hear it? Sports Talk Mississippi. Yeah! On Super Talk Mississippi. Talk Mississippi streaming at supertalk.fm and supertalk TV. Need to go back and grab some of your winners and losers from earlier in the afternoon. We uh, we gave you some of ours to start the uh, the four o'clock hour. Here we go. Winner from Derek and Greenwood. Twitter jokes for Morgan Wallen Sunday no show. Loser. Everyone who sat through Sunday's baseball game to go and get the concert canceled, the people aren't losers, just the situation. Yes, for a lot of people, it's probably kind of a tough one-two punch. Doesn't work out with baseball. LSU gets the, uh, the dramatic win, and then you get canceled. Winner, winner, Hardy. Agreed. Put on a good show. Uh, winner Bailey Zimmerman, who performed on Saturday, was one of the early acts. Loser, the people who bought tickets online, then sold them on Facebook, now get a refund and won't give the people on Facebook their money back. Hmm. That's tough. Let's see here. Winner, Alabama and Georgia baseball. Not easy to say. The Alabama sweeps Missouri on the road, including a 3-2 to two win yesterday, and Georgia sweeps Arkansas at home. Another one, Georgia Missouri's. baseball. Winner just in time for my Rebels next weekend. Sorry, go ahead. Yeah. Missouri's sweep of Tennessee to open conference play is the single weirdest result of the season. Yeah. Yeah. Just it, it just makes no sense in hindsight. I mean, Missouri is five and thirteen in SEC play. And three of those five wins came against Tennessee. It's crazy. Yeah. Another loser, Morgan Wallen. That seems to be a theme. Yeah. Winner of Vols baseball. Tennessee fan mixed in there. Somebody says a Princess County woman has filed a lawsuit against the canceled concert. Okay. Eh. Good. You know, more, yeah. more power to them, I guess. I mean, there's no way every ticket sold doesn't have some sort of this show is, you know, could ha- could be canceled and we don't hold any liability for that. Yeah. 
Yeah, what's the difference? Say, read ranks? the back of your ticket stub, but now all you do is download fancy graphics onto yeah. your phone and have them I mean, scanned. If it rains, it's the exact same thing, right? If it's just pouring down rain and there's lightning in the area and they have to cancel, it's the same thing. You know what Prince would say to that? Well, Can you make it rain harder? Well, that's different, though. Mm. I can't read this one verbatim, but you will get the message. Loser, Mississippi State for stinking badly and blowing leads. <laughs> Uh, I was I was hoping you would try to give like a very descriptive way of program. saying the actual term. No, I was wondering if there was a way to do that though. Uh, yeah, nothing that I could come up with that would be significantly. Clear. I need a minute. Yeah, yeah. Um, winner Mississippi State probably <laughs> getting a new coach or at least major changes needing to happen. Okay. Meanwhile, Lane Burroughs is still. Hey, Zach Selvin, over here. Over here! Zach! Look at me! Careful, you'll anger some people. Uh, loser, Dylan Brooks. Ah, well, they can get angry. Ejected from the uh, game for taking the swipe at the king, right? Yeah. The royal jewels. I mean, look, Dylan Brooks, <laughs> I admired the whole I don't respect anybody until they put 40 on me thing. I get it. I like a little spice, but what you cannot do if you're going to talk at the second best player to ever live is turn around, get smoked by them, and then take a cheap shot at a part of a man's body you don't take a cheap shot on and get yourself ejected from the game and then blame the media for making you a villain. Oh. Yeah, he said, oh, it's the media that's bad. Dude, if you're going to be hard, be hard. Like, if, if that's going to be your persona, do it. You guys are adult children. But if that's how you're yes. going to be, if fully, you're going to, if you're going to fully want to admit to that, bow up to the king, then don't back down like a child. I mean, just a complete about face in the worst way. Embarrassing is what he was, and took this bad shots in. all night. Media yeah. to blame for uh, Morgan Wallen having to cancel last night's show. It's oh, y'all's yeah? fault. Yeah, it's the media. Yeah. Dylan Brooks can curse. <laughs> One more text. Are we sure there's no crying in baseball? <laughs> Chase says, loser LeBron, when he's mad and wants to, he shows how unguardable he can be, but he doesn't do it all the time. We'll be back. I can't believe what I'm hearing. This is Sports Talk Mississippi, right here on Super Talk Mississippi. Five o'clock hour with you, Sports Talk Mississippi in the Pearl River Resort Studios. We'll get to your texts on the ceasefire text line coming up in just a little bit. Normally, this would be the college football fix. We'll push that back a couple of minutes. Going to go early today with uh, Mike Bianco, who had some other obligations this evening, but still kind enough to spend a few minutes with us on the Farm Bureau guest line. Check out favorites.com and go with the home team, Mississippi Farm Bureau. Um, Coach, uh, appreciate you joining us. I'm going to be honest, I don't even know exactly what to ask uh, right now. I know this was a, a really difficult weekend for your ball club. Lose on Friday, lose on Saturday, and then just kind of a gut punch loss to to your team yesterday at the very end. After you had kind of climbed out of the hole and, and gotten back and taken the lead, where do you go from here with your guys? 
Well, you know, you got no other choice but to, to you know, move forward. And, uh, you know, it's hard. You know, it's, uh, you know, we, we, we say it all the time in sports, you know, it's, 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 it replicates life. It's, uh, uh, there's no you know, greater metaphor. You know, the, this is a learning experience that, you know, it's been, it's tough to go through. And, you know, if you're an Ole Miss fan and you were sitting in the stands on, on Sunday, it's tough, you know. And so you can imagine, you know, uh, what the players, what the coaches, what everybody that's invested in this is going through. So it's tough, but, but, but you'll survive it. You know, uh, just like a lot of you know bad things, there's a lot worse things that can happen to you in life, and and so our guys, you know, we had you know the light practice today because we got to get down to Jackson tomorrow, but um, yeah, it's tough, it's tough, but they they keep moving forward and they keep showing up, and that's a, that's a good thing. So the end of that game yesterday, I, I would imagine when Judd Utermark hits the the dramatic home run to make it six to four, maybe even Alderman before that when he ties the game up at at four, and then you take the lead. It's got to feel like this incredible emotional lift after the last couple of games. And then you're kind of cruising along in the ninth with, with two outs. And then all of a sudden, it's like Mitch Morell, who's been, been so good and hadn't allowed a hit. It, it was like he just kind of lost the control a little bit. From your yeah. perspective, what happened there? Well, you know, uh, it's, you know, it's hard to, to get in the mind of an athlete sometimes. And, uh, you know, uh, you're right. You're, you're one pitch away, but, you know, the, the thing that, you know, really hurts you is, you know, the walk to Jones, the HBP, mm-hmm. you know, to Joe Bear to, to get to the, the, the pinch hitter. And so, you know, uh, as a coach, you're, you're happy that you got the first two outs and you're an out away with a two run lead. And, you know, so the, your worst enemy is, uh, you know, base runners, right? And especially free base runners. And you want to make them hit it. And Mitch knows that. It's, uh, but it's, you know, it's that part of sometimes it's, that's why this game's hard. That's why this game's, you know, very unforgiving. And that's uh, why, you know, sports, it's tough, you know, sometimes, you know, you, you try your best, you know, and, you know, he wanted to make the pitch and, you know, uh, it's tough, you know, when the other guy, you know, beats you in that situation. I'm curious about player development and, and Judd Utermark, or uh, Utermark in particular, and I'm thinking about Kemp Alderman. And I don't know, they're not the same player, obviously, but you think about year one with Kemp Alderman. When he connects, he can hit it like four miles. But yeah. he chased so many bad pitches and then kind of rebuilt himself as a hitter and had a huge season. He's just having an incredibly special year. Do you see any similarities with, with Utermark as he gets some opportunities that there's clearly a ton of power and talent there, but he's kind of got to learn the strike zone and learn when to go after pitches and when to lay off pitches and, and maybe see a similar trajectory? No, I, I think that's you know it's a it's a great comp and and maybe another one that we talk a lot about maybe just because of body style and, and similarities in their athleticism is Elko. You know, you know, it's hard to you know compare anybody to the captain, but when you talk about the size, you know, six four, six five, athletic, can play corner infield, can play corner outfield. Uh, you know, big right-handed hitter like Kemp, like Elko, that can hit it from foul pole to foul pole and out in just about any ballpark. Uh, he's had obviously more opportunities, but not many more than than Kemp did. Uh, but uh, yeah, I, I think that's not a bad comp, and you know, <laughs> we'd be really happy if it turns out like that. You know, uh, you know into a sophomore junior year in terms of rebuilding your roster not because of a specific record but because of the guys that you've got that are in the field that are either out of eligibility or are draft eligible and likely to hear their names called there are going to be a lot of spots to fill a year from now 
Where are you in the recruiting process? Because we know so much baseball is recruiting early and early signing, but the transfer portal has changed things, and you've obviously had com- you know, big contributors the last couple of years that you've, you've picked up. Will you have to be heavier this year in the transfer portal market than you've ever been? Oh, I think so. Uh, you know, I, I don't think there's a doubt of that. And, and part of that's hard to, uh, to, to really even talk about, you know, right now because, you know, the portal for us is different than the other sports where kids are going into the portal really early. You know, baseball, it doesn't usually happen until the end of the season because, you know, the guys that you're going to want are the guys that are playing. Right, you know, you don't want the guys that are not playing on some other team. You're going to want the guys, the guys that are going to impact our roster next year, or guys that are, you know, stars, you know, at some other team for whatever reason, you know, they they want to leave that school if it's the play in the SEC, if it's, you know, uh, you know, uh, how much playing time, you know, if they want to play another position, those types of things. Where you know, I think in the other sports, and I don't want to speak to football and basketball, but it seems like that's the case where kids go to portal very early. You know, the best baseball players aren't doing that until the end of the season and so um, you know we're going to have to see how that plays out certainly you know a really good recruiting class coming in but what's that going to look like through the draft you know so that's another obstacle that we have to deal with is once you sign them you, you got to get them to show up on campus and so we got some you know some high profile guys that we we need to make sure get to campus as well so but i think you know uh, your assumption is right when you look at how many position players we're going to lose especially uh we're certainly going to have to do They'll probably dive into the portal more than we ever have. So what about the role that, that NIL plays in that? I mean, nobody really goes on record with numbers, but I think it's pretty well assumed that, you know, you look at LSU's roster and the guys that they brought in, they, they spent a lot of money through the, the NIL piece. I know you work with the Grove Collective. Are you having to be involved in, I don't know, fundraising? Yeah, but by, yeah, yeah, by NCAA rules, you know, we're not allowed to – you know, it's it's not our job to, to, to sell a kid on the institution as far as, you know, what the kid's going to get paid. You know that, Richard. But, but uh, you know, that I think what you're asking is is, is is a fair question. And when when you look at, you know, I think NIL, it really has to do with, you know, what, you know, uh, how popular your sport is to your fans. And, um, mm-hmm. you know, that's where NIL is getting generated from the fans and the people, the businesses that support your program uh those those you know and so when you look around the football when you look around the baseball when you look around the basketball you know the ones that you know seem like they'll have the most opportunity nil wise will be the the ones that you know generate the most revenue you know as baseball programs and so you know certainly when you look at our attendance and what we do you know as far as season tickets there's a lot of interest here you know for for uh you know you know people that you know like baseball so you know that works in our favor so, so you think you'll have not you specifically, but you think the Grove Collective will have the resources in place to to give you the tools you need? Yeah, uh, the Grove Collective has been terrific, and I, I probably want to leave it at that, Richard. You're That's really right. trying to you're, you're you're really on the fringes here. Gotcha. Well, I don't want to put you in a bad spot. Uh, this week, you mentioned Tuesday night, uh, Mississippi State Governor's Cup game. That's obviously always a, a big game and one that's important to fans and to your team. No doubt. And, uh, you know, that's, we've, we've said it here, you know, week in and week out, you know, several times I know. Uh, but after a really, really tough weekend and a tough Sunday, um, you know, uh, it's, it's, a, what, what an opportunity to get back out on the field against your arch rival, play good competition against them, you know, with, in front of a lot of your fans and, you know, uh, you know, in an exciting atmosphere. So, you know, I know our guys are looking forward to it. Coach, always appreciate your time. Thanks for joining us this afternoon. Thanks, Richard.
That's Mike Bianco joining us on the Farm Bureau guest line. Check out favrates.com and go with the home team, Mississippi Farm Bureau. So talking about some of those young guys, Judd Udermark, that's an interesting thought when you think about development for Kemp Alderman from where he was in year one, like from a raw talent standpoint and kind of where Udermark looks like. And, and Mike mentioned Tim Elko in terms of development as well. Um there's some young players there that are, are really contributing that are going to be big, but there are also going to be a ton of pieces a year from now that are going to be new faces. Have to be. They, they have no choice. They, they have no choice. There, there has to be a bunch of guys that are currently playing college baseball, not at the University of Mississippi, that next year are playing baseball for the University of Mississippi. It has to. Yeah. You, you have not seen enough. And, you, and you, as he mentioned, the, the draft is going to come for some of their signees, at least one. And you can't count on true freshmen anyway, but there have been some contributors, but when you look at what they will have returning, you do not see a team that can compete and win next year. I mean, they, they, you know, baseball's different. They have the gentleman's agreement about recruiting players that are already committed, and, and that's going to get blown up on its face anyway. But seemingly they're not going to have a regional to worry about. You can get a head start on scouting and finding the players that you need to fill roster spots and, and get them to your campus, and it has to be done aggressively. Yeah. Has to. They have no choice. Yeah. Status quo, it can't. They can't be status quo anymore. Got got to change the approach for this off season. Mike Bianco joining us on the Farm Bureau guest line. Check out favorites.com and go with the home team at Mississippi Farm Bureau. We'll get to the college football fix when we come back. Right after this. Junction in the Grove and to the top. Don't hurt yourself. Sports Talk Mississippi on Super Talk Mississippi. The Tuscaloosa Patch, Ryan Phillips, um, a little while ago tweeted some rough news for Alabama basketball. He tweeted, just in, Alabama men's basketball transfer Jaquan Walton was arrested Saturday night after Tuscaloosa police found him and two others in a vehicle on Reed Street with marijuana and multiple guns. Alabama's got to figure out some things on the basketball front. Ah, nah. You know? It's the wrong place, wrong time. Yeah, wrong place. Right. This is why you handle it when it happens. That, that's why. But instead, everybody all the way up to the top of the university level engaged in the deflection and cover-up of what actually happened. And, I mean, 
good luck getting anybody to control any sized roster filled with college-aged kids and have none of them do something stupid from time to time. But you know the old expression, right? Fool me once, fool me twice. This is now in, in a few months' time. All right, since January, four months, where four Alabama basketball players have been involved in criminal behavior that involved firearms. Mm-hmm. Four. Four of them. Another word you can use is pattern. Yeah. Well, and you've got guys that think they can get away with that or think it is acceptable that are associated with that program. That's your point, right? I mean, because of the way Alabama handled it, guys have... mm. Guys riding around in a car with with weed and guns, man. A a few months after that program, it still has a player sitting in jail waiting capital murder trial. And two other players were at the scene when it happened. Yeah. Tough stuff. Just tough stuff. Hmm. And and it's beyond just poor decisions at this point as well. All right, we uh, we pushed it back just a little bit. Let us jump Speaking in of Alabama. right now to the college football fix. College football fix is driven by Ford and your local Mississippi Ford dealers. It's time to get behind the wheel of a 2023 Ford F-150. 46 straight years. That's how long F-Series have been the best-selling trucks in America. Don't forget about the SUVs. Explorer, the Expedition, if you're looking for the Crossover, the Edge, a great option as well. You can test drive all of these at your local Mississippi Ford dealer today. Alabama and LSU are the last two to play their spring games from the SEC. Alabama's A-Day game on Saturday. Jalen Milroe and Ty Simpson, the two Alabama players, vying to replace Bryce Young as the starter. Uh, they kind of struggled during the 8 day game. Throwing a combined three interceptions while completing fewer than half of their passes. Milroe's a redshirt sophomore. He was the primary backup last year, was picked off twice. Ty Simpson, a redshirt freshman. Had five pass attempts last year during the season, turned it over once. Nick Saban asked about it after the fact, about the value of having those two quarterbacks already in the program versus a player coming in fresh from the transfer portal. He said, quote, Everybody needs to ask themselves, are they playing winning football? Close quote. And said the evaluations of the quarterback position are ongoing. He said that Saban and Milrow do have a better understanding of the offense having been in it for more than a year, and they've gotten a lot of reps in practice, but not exactly a glowing endorsement. Not that you would expect that following a spring game from Nick Saban about any position on the field, but quarterback at Alabama is one of the highest profile positions, certainly in college football and, frankly, in all of sports. Do you remember the debate about who was going to be the starter when Jalen Hurts... They didn't announce that till late, late, late. It was just all anybody was talking about. Hmm. Alabama's got six days left if the transfer portal window is open. 
Now, they don't necessarily have to decide who their quarterback is in the next six days. But they've got to decide if there's one that puts his name in the portal in the next six days that they choose to aggressively pursue with the idea that he could come in and be the starting quarterback. Do you believe unconfirmed rumors or not? Because apparently Tyler Van Dyke at Miami was somebody that they were heavily in pursuit of, and Miami, despite their biggest funder of NIL having his company basically go under, uh, gave him a significant increase in his deal, and he reaffirmed his commitment to the school that he's currently playing for. And he wasn't great last year. No. He was really good two years ago. Not great last year. Yeah. You can't help but wonder what Mario Cristobal's thinking right now. Right? I mean, he comes in and there's all the momentum about collective and money and players and all that. He's gone back home, and yet he's finding that it's a really, really difficult job. Alabama should go back to where we were at the beginning of the offseason and really actually, in fact, offer Drake May $5 million to come with Alabama. Mm-hmm. So just, don't talk about it, Alabama. Be about it. Yeah. And Would that be enough? Well, I don't know, but you know what? Make it enough. What's the number? What's the number? We're Alabama. We got Wait, the money, all the money you need. Don't give them any ideas. What's wrong with you? Don't you want Alabama to be bad at the quarterback position? <laughs> what are we talking about? Nick, they'll figure it out. They'll be fine. You got, you got two talented young men right there. They're hard workers. Hey, b- bigger picture. Bigger picture. Two QB system. There are... We've been down this road before, by the way, where we think there are questions surrounding Alabama and then all of a sudden they're back in the college football playoff. There are significant questions surrounding this Alabama team going into next season. Who's going to play quarterback? Who's going to be the running back And after Jameer Gibbs? Who's going to replace the production from Will Anderson? Is Dallas Turner, is he draft eligible also to see back? He's got to be. He's got to be at this point draft eligible. I think. Uh, 13 games with 10 starts last year. Last year was his second year in the program. Freshman All-America in 2021. So, yeah, he'll be a junior this year. He'll be a junior this year. So Dallas Turner is back. New offensive coordinator. How we feel about Tommy Reese? We have to kind of wait and see, aren't we? Yeah. And, it, you know, I'm not doing that thing because, as you mentioned, the second you start doing that thing, they're going to win the West. But it really it, it feels like there's a nervous energy around that program right now. I mean, I, new I offensive coordinator, new defensive coordinator. Nick Saban's done this a bunch in the past, right, where he's had a ton of turnover at those coordinator spots. But did he upgrade in losing Bill O'Brien? Bill O'Brien and Pete Golding 
by replacing them with Tommy Reese and Kevin Steele? Feels very lateral. At best. Yeah. I mean, there's no way that Tommy Reese as an offensive coordinator is an upgrade over Bill O'Brien, former NFL head coach and general former manager. head coach at Penn State, former GM, football guy. That's that's what, what this conversation that we had a few months ago when those guys left and, and people kept talking about oh well Bill O'Brien sucked uh, okay sure he did won his division as a head coach in the NFL three times. Yeah, bad coaches do that. I think there's an awake, a rude awakening coming. I can't decide if it's there's been regression to some degree. Of course, they're still great at Alabama, or if people are catching up. Are the rosters around them better? Is, is the SEC more balanced talent-wise? Georgia's roster is better, and they upgraded a head coach. LSU's roster is what it has been, but they upgraded it coach. Auburn's roster is down right now. Ole Miss's roster, from a year-to-year standpoint, is in flux. Mississippi State, from a roster standpoint, is kind of what it has been, right? I mean, solid on the defensive side. It's the same New offensive year. system, we'll see. Arkansas's roster in flux, but a lot of talent coming back. Florida's roster is down from where it has been traditionally. Tennessee's roster is much better than it has been for the last decade. So, a legitimate question. It's your college football. Sports Talk Mississippi. Sports Talk Mississippi. Your new home for exclusive sports coverage here in the Magnolia State. How do you like that? I love it. On Super Talk Mississippi. building, transfer portal, NIL. I think he went as far as he was willing to go in that part of the conversation, and and that's fine. Um, I thought those questions were relevant, but I didn't really think about the fact that head coaches aren't really supposed to talk about NIL. It's one of the silly things out there, right? Schools are basically yeah. funding it and taking all the steps they can to bring it in-house. Everybody knows it's straight pay for play, and yet head coaches are really not supposed to talk about that publicly. What but, a fascinating dynamic that has arrived here, though. Uh, and, and the same thing applies to, to Mississippi State as well. Um, although the basketball coach is not new. He's kind of new. There aren't many places in college sports that command real NIL dollars for recruiting in three sports. There are not many. That's a good point. And so, you, especially here, like we have a pair of passionate beyond measure fan bases. The per capita attendance for football in this state is rivaled by nobody. We have a 2.9 million population, and on a given Saturday, there will be 64,000 people in Oxford, 60,000 people in Starkville, and another 25, 20,000 people in Hattiesburg on one Saturday. 
No other state per capita does that. But baseball is extremely important here, and baseball commands NIL money here. But Chris Beard is is going around town, as I understand it, it, talking about, hey, I need to get players. NIL is important. And people are excited about that. People want to give NIL to basketball because they have this this new coach who's been to a national championship game, and they, they want to help him get players. And so far, they've gotten two from the portal. It seems to be working. But you're going to have to go to that same well to get baseball players now because you've got to get baseball players too. But you're competing in a league where LSU has set the bar for what elite players coming through the transfer portal get. And they got the two most elite players who were in the portal to come to their school last year, Tommy White and Paul Skeens. And they had to pay for them. A lot. A lot. That's the way it is. So, where I was kind of going that, hey, Dad, was Mississippi State's got a lot of young talent on this roster. We think. Mm-hmm. And yet, and won a bunch of games, so some of that's developing. Is there a roster makeover for Mississippi State baseball next year? You know, when you when you look at it, I think a lot of what State will do with NIL will be similar to football, right? Because I think people will want to come after Dakota Jordan, Hunter mm-hmm. Hines, uh, David Mershon, Ross Highfield, uh, Lofton and Gerangelo. I mean, that's like that's, that's those are fre- all freshmen except for Hines. So there'll be some of that. But as far as a, a roster makeover goes, I mean, you're going to need a couple of outfielders. Kellen Clark and Colton Ledbetter are going to be gone. Um, you're going to need to figure out if Hines can play first base full time. If he can't, got to move on from that. You got to keep him as a DH. Um, second base, I don't know. I think Amani Larry has another year, but he is been awful in conference play, so I don't know if you, you might just encourage him to go. So they'll be in the portal. I think the, for the most part, though, State's portaling uh, priorities next year are going to be pitching. You know, we've talked about it before. They they missed out on Skeens. They 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 finished second. That gets them nothing. But you know, how different is this team with Paul Skeens? You know, it, it's, it it makes a difference. So so State needs to go out and try to find some some real arms who can compete. Do you on think a, they on a finished, Friday, Saturday, Sunday? Do you think they finished second solely because of NIL? Yes. Do you think they finished a distant second? In terms of what the offer was? Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. I mean, Paul Skeens, from people and, and, that you and, talk and I think, to that kind of know what they're talking about or really know what they're talking about, he, he's somewhere in the... 500 to three quarters of a million dollar range. 500 to 750,000. That. that, that's, okay. Well, maybe more, but I mean, I think that's a safe window. Tommy White's in the half million dollar range. Yeah. Basically that, yeah, that LSU made godfather offers to those guys. Offers they couldn't refuse. The and, SEC's and, and you, leading rusher. If it's more than, than that, if, hey, that's right, and it's more than that, the SEC's leading rusher in football, running back in football, not making that. What do you think the number is that Mississippi State and Ole Miss need to be competitive enough to build really good rosters through the transfer portal 
in the NIL space? A million five a year, probably. I, I was going to say, it's got two commas. Yeah. I think if I you get a million five, I mean, because a, a lot of guys are just transferring for, for better opportunities. And Mississippi State and Ole Miss are attractive programs that play in front of big crowds and have plenty of great facilities and a tradition of getting players to the pros. So you got a lot to sell on top of that. But the elite guys, the guys that I'm talking about for Mississippi State next year, that they, if they want to go to the portal and find pitchers who can get outs on SEC weekends, it's going to cost some money. Yeah. Yeah. Do they have it? From what I'm told for State... Basketball and baseball are in pretty good shape. They feel competitive there. They feel like they've got the the means to to compete. Football, there is work to be done. They are doing that work, and that uh, that work is being done. And they are they feel confident they're going to be okay. But basketball, baseball, right now you have a good network in place of guys helping out. Mississippi State has always had some pretty. Serious basketball supporters who have been committed, and now that just takes a different form. So it wouldn't surprise you that some of what you need mm-hmm. for basketball is in place, and certainly with level yeah. of passion among Mississippi State fans, it wouldn't surprise you that some or much of what you need for baseball is in place. Yeah. You know, this had the the huge splash with the NIL stuff back around the end of football season. And as I understand it, the question for for Ole Miss, and frankly everybody, I don't think this is unique to Ole Miss. It's about sustainability. Okay, so you built a eight to ten million dollar war chest at the end of the twenty twenty two football season. You use that in recruiting, and you use that in the transfer portal, and you use that in player retention as a big part of it. And then you got to spread it out after that to some basketball and to some baseball stuff and, you know, some small deals on some women's sports things to, to help coaches in the process. But can you turn around and do that again this year? Can you turn around and generate another $10 million or 12 or 15? And then can you do it again the year after that? I saw somebody I thought made a, a pretty interesting point about NIL when people are like, well, the, this has got a ceiling. There's going to be a market correction. And that person pointed to, well, didn't we think there was a ceiling on coaches' salaries when you had $2 million coaches? Yeah. And then $5 million coaches? And now $10 million coaches? I mean... Yeah, it feels like there should be a ceiling, but there hasn't been in that space. Why do we think there's going to be a, a ceiling on it's what just, schools need to raise in terms of NIL? It's just like anything else. There's never enough money. The price of everything is always going up. Thanks, Joe. Every president we've ever had. I mean, the prices are always more than they were before. Mike in Oxford says the primary reason Skeens went to LSU is because Johnson promised him an opportunity to play both ways. I don't know about that. That was a lie. Maybe they promised that. I don't think that's 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 the case at all. Now, I will tell you that in the case of Tommy White, 
Tommy White went to LSU because they promised him that he would play a position every day. He did yeah. not want to be a DH again like he was at NC State. He felt like, from a development standpoint, he needed to show scouts that he could play a position, third base, first base, whatever. The LSU thing in baseball, though, on terms of, I mean, number one transfer portal class, number one high school recruiting class as well. They're starting Jared Jones at first base. Brady Neal's been starting at catcher. He's banged up a little bit. They got some other young guys that are contributing on the mound. And Gavin Gidry, who came in and pitched at the end yesterday and gave up the home run to Utermark, he was the Louisiana Player of the Year. They signed two of the top four catchers in the country. One of them's playing first base, and the other one's banged up. Brady Neal was the number one catcher in the country, and Jared Jones was the number four catcher in the country. That's insane. And there's no reason to think that they're going to stop recruiting that way in baseball at LSU. Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming at supertalk.fm and supertalk TV. We'll be right back. Now, back to Sports Talk Mississippi. Say that again. Please say it. Now, back to Sports Talk Mississippi. Sorry, poorly timed joke, completely inappropriate. On Super Talk Mississippi. Borky, in one of his favorite soapboxes, has got some new ammunition. He loves, loves the image of fans storming onto the field after a big it's win. It's the best. It is the absolute best. Being a part of it is the best. The pictures from Knoxville last year are priceless. Unbelievable. Following their win over Alabama, it was incredible. My, what There's my... a video of Randy Boyd, the president at the University of Tennessee, being asked, cigar in hand, as he looks on the scene on the field, what it's going to cost, and he goes, it doesn't matter, we'll do this every year. I love it. One of my earliest childhood memories was a Furman playoff game, and they beat Western Kentucky, because that's who they, they were in the FCS at the time. And Will Bouton was the guy's name who was actually the husband of my sister's teacher. He was like a sixth-year, 24-year-old senior somehow, played linebacker, had the game-winning sack. And I loved watching him play. And after that game was over, the whole stadium stormed the field, and I got to go high-five Will Bouton. I, I mean, this was 2001. I'm nine years old. And that's like one of my first football memories was giving a big high-five to the linebacker that made the game-sealing sack. It, that's what college football is. That stuff. And Greg Sankey hates college football, apparently. Oh, wow. <laughs> he hates it. So, Greg Sankey last November put together a working committee for event safety. Greg Byrne from Alabama... Josh, oh, what's the 80s name at Georgia? Josh something. 
and Mitch Barnhart from Kentucky. And the idea was to focus on Josh Brooks at, at Georgia. Focus on how to curtail the field, field storming. There are suggestions on the table that include, hey, Dad, the loss of a future SEC home game. I think when we talked about this earlier, I mentioned something like that. I was like, the only way to stop things like this, you can't find somebody who has a $200 million budget, $250,000. It's like finding us 20 bucks. You know, I'm still going to do it if I want to. Mm-hmm. So the only way to do it is to come up with ridiculous penalties. And that is one. That so, is a ridiculous penalty. So, so Tennessee storms the field post win over Alabama. If that policy was in place, the way it would work is, Next year, they are scheduled to play in Tuscaloosa. The following year, they would lose their home game against Alabama. It would be played in Tuscaloosa, and then the regular schedule would pick back up, which means the following year, for a third straight season, they would be in Tuscaloosa. That is penal. Can you imagine that in the Egg Bowl? Three straight years in Starkville, three straight years in Oxford. I mean, that's tough. Coaches can lose jobs over stretches like that. Yeah. yeah think about the Iron Bowl, which, I mean, what imagine, if Alabama you know, Auburn storms the field after me. So, yeah. Go ahead. Sorry. Well, I was gonna say, if Auburn were to storm the field after knocking off number one Alabama this year, mm-hmm. I think the game's in Auburn this year. Mm-hmm. It is. But the, So then, then you have three straight Iron Bowls in Tuscaloosa. I mean, Freeze could play, could lose his job because of that, you know? The um, the other thing that is potentially on the table, a forfeit of the game you just won that led to the field storming. <laughs> Oof. Just what what absolutely. It's the only was. way to do it, though. I know I don't I don't agree with it, but this is the only way to do it. If you really want to stop it, you got to make the punishment so unpalatable that you, you people are just like if. We can't allow it. If we got to put but, a thousand cops, we got to call the national guard to make sure those fans don't come on the field. We're going to do it. We live in an era where people and players feel emboldened. Mm-hmm. People feel emboldened to yell at, scream at, get in players' faces. Thanks to social media for that, largely. And players feel emboldened to react. And we saw it post game, Alabama, Tennessee, right? We had the Alabama player that made contact with the woman. Oh no, no, a Tennessee no! Fan. He, he he feared for his life because that yeah, well, that whatever. sorority girl with a few drinks in her was uh, threatening to the yeah. SEC football player. So, yeah, I just go going this route instead of trying other things first. As it's just, a but shame. they have tried other things. What I'm not talking about curbing field storming. Put a 10-minute clock up on the video board. Try something. Let the other team get off the field and then have at it. Clemson does it safely after every single home game. Every single home game, Clemson does it safely and there are no problems. Talk to them. How do you do it? How do you do Mm. it? Joe brings up the question, what if the visiting team storms the field at a home team stadium? Oh, see, there you go. Do it on purpose. Shenanigans. Thanks for being with us. Sports Talk Mississippi. We'll do it again tomorrow. For Hey Dad and Borky, I'm Richard Cross. Good night.
Are you a business owner looking for help with HR benefits and payroll? MWG Employer Services offers a wide range of services and can create a custom plan that fits your needs and budget. I was so overwhelmed with HR stuff. MWG Employer Services took all the stress out of it and even set up my payroll. I couldn't be happier. MWG Employer Services is here to help you succeed. Call us today at 601-206-7966 or go to mwgemployerservices.com. A Super Talk Mississippi media production.